As I've roamed the art world, I've been habitually amused by the status anxieties of all the players. Dealers who are concerned about the location of their booth at an art fair, or collectors keen to be first in line for a new masterpiece, are perhaps the most obvious instances, but no one is exempt. As John Baldessari, a Los Angeles-based artist who speaks wisely and wittily in these pages, told me, artists have huge egos— but how that manifests itself changes with the times. I find it tedious when I bump into people who insist on giving me their CV highlights. I've always thought that wearing badges or ribbons would solve it. If you're showing in the Whitney Biennial or at the Tate, you could announce it on your jacket. Artists could wear stripes like generals so everyone would know their rank. If the art world shared one principle, it would probably be that nothing is more important than the art itself. Some people really believe this, others know it's de rigueur. Either way, the social world surrounding art is often disdained as an irrelevant, dirty contaminant. When I studied art history, I was lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of recently made work, but I never had a clear sense of how it circulated, how it came to be considered worthy of critical attention or gained exposure, how it was marketed, sold, or collected. Now more than ever, when work by living artists accounts for a larger part of the curriculum, it is worth understanding art's first contexts and the valuation processes it undergoes between the studio and its arrival in the permanent collection of a museum, or the dumpster, or any one of a vast range of intermediate locations. As curator Robert Storr, who plays a key role in the Biennale chapter, told me, The function of museums is to make art worthless again. They take the work out of the market and put it in a place where it becomes part of the common wealth. My research suggests that great works do not just arise. They are made, not just by artists and their assistants, but also by the dealers, curators, critics, and collectors who support the work. This is not to say that art isn't great— or that the art that makes it into the museum doesn't deserve to be there. Not at all. It's just that collective belief is neither as simple nor as mysterious as one might imagine. One theme that runs through the narratives of Seven Days in the Art World is that contemporary art has become a kind of alternative religion for atheists. The artist Francis Bacon once said that when man realizes that he is just an accident in the greater scheme of things, he can only beguile himself for a time. He then added, painting, or all art, has now become completely a game by which man distracts himself, and the artist must really deepen the game to be any good at all. For many art world insiders and art aficionados of other kinds, Concept-driven art is a kind of existential channel through which they bring meaning to their lives. It demands leaps of faith, but it rewards the believer with a sense of consequence. Moreover, just as churches and other ritualistic meeting places serve a social function, so art events generate a sense of community around shared interests— Eric Banks, a writer-editor who appears in Chapter 5, argues that the fervent sociality of the art world has unexpected benefits. People really do talk about the art they see, he said. If I'm reading something by, say, Roberto Bologno, I'll find very few people to discuss it with.
Reading takes a long time, and it's solitary, whereas art fosters quick-forming, imagined communities. Despite its self-regard, and much like a society of devout followers, the art world relies on consensus as heavily as it depends on individual analysis or critical thinking. Although the art world reveres the unconventional, it is rife with conformity. Artists make work that looks like art and behave in ways that enhance stereotypes. Curators pander to the expectations of their peers and their museum boards. Collectors run in herds to buy work by a handful of fashionable painters. Critics stick their finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing so as to get it right. Originality is not always rewarded, but some people take real risks and innovate, which gives a raison d'etre to the rest. The art market boom is a backdrop to this book. In asking why the market soared in the past decade, we might start...